The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Straight Talk with Sandra Reich. Are you trying to master the game of life without success? There are secrets and strategies to living your best life. We'll share some of them with you on today's show. Take advantage of this series to become an expert at relationships. All relationships. It's time to live the life that you deserve to live. Now, here's your host, Sandra Reich. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Straight Talk. Um, I have to say, I, I mean, I'm always excited to do the show, but I had an interesting experience during my holidays. Many of many people listening do know me, and you know, I tend to say I work hard and play hard. It's almost a bit extreme. And uh, while I was on vacation, I picked up a book called The Sweet Spot, How to Find Your Groove at Home and Work, written by Dr. Christine Carter. She is a happiness expert. You got to love that, as well as a sociologist. And honestly, I took the time to read the book on my vacation, and it blew me away. So I had to write to her. I had to get her on the show. And she's here with us today. So welcome, Dr. Christine Carter. I am so excited to have you here today. Oh, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. You know, I'm curious, but I have like tons of questions for you, but I'm curious about how you found yourself interested in um, the sweet spot and living your happiest life. I remember in the book, you talk about going through quite a difficult period yourself. Yeah. Can yeah. you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, 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 um, where to begin? I mean, the story, <laughs> the, the story, I can give you the five-year or the 10-year, but basically about um, five years ago, I was, in a, I was in what I thought was probably the peak of my career. I was really, you know, my I young kids, they were in school. I had really gotten my career back up and going. I loved it. I was the executive director of the Greater Good Science Center, and I would just mm. written Amazing Happiness and had a full coaching practice, which I loved and was speaking all over the place. And, um, and I was really, I was really very happy. I mean, just at the moment that I was publicly declaring to the world how I was raising happy children and I'd mastered this happiness thing, you know, the irony, right? Yeah. Is that, um, I, and I was happy, but I was, I, there was one problem and that was that I was really tired all the time. I mean, I was just bone tired all the time. And um, that meant that I got every virus on every airplane I got on. Oh, and, dear. Um, and I got, you know, at one point I got strep throat from my brother, which we thought was sort of funny, and, except for his strep throat went away. And I was just so tired. I couldn't get rid of it. I mean, so 18 months later, I still have strep, strep throat. I oh, had my god! nine or 10 rounds of antibiotics. My system is completely wrecked. And, you know, I should say during this, because it'll give you some insight into the, into the ways that I prioritized overwork, um, I, uh, you know, in this period, I, I was training for a half marathon with um, oh some friends of mine. 
And, you know, I wasn't training very well because I was always sick and everything, but it was this Mother's Day half marathon that was in Southern California in this really beautiful area. And it was like this big thing that we were all doing. And my parents came and my children came and they made signs and all my friends' parents and and all my friends. I mean, it was this multi-generational Mother's Day extravaganza, which hinged around us running this marathon. Now, it could have just been a destination vacation, but I was so not um, used to seeing myself as being able to rest that, you know, I woke up, I had 102 fever, I ran a half marathon. Because oh my God. I didn't want people to see me as, I mean, my family had just come all this way. So right? you, didn't, you didn't want to disappoint. So I just did it. You, you didn't, and you didn't want to disappoint people. No, I didn't yeah. want to disappoint people. I didn't want to, I, you know, I didn't, uh, I didn't realize that I was disappointing people left and right by being so exhausted all the time. And so basically that's, that was that, you know, that period in my life, I had a low spot in which I was, um, had a fever again. My, I woke up and my husband was like, you are, you just seem sicker than usual. And mm-hmm. I remember thinking like, oh, this has gone on too long. And he called my doctor. My doctor said, take her to the hospital. Like, you just have to take her to the hospital. And I got to the hospital and I was totally having fantasies that they would admit me, right? <laughs> I was like, I don't, I don't just want like a, an IV with some fluids. People. Yeah. And to I rest. Was really freaking tired. Yeah. <laughs> like, I want to be admitted. So for me, that was the total low point, right? Like, I, I never had anything very serious. They did not admit me. Um, but I, uh, but I, I did have some career, you know, blips because of that. And, um, and that was the birth of the sweet spot because I thought, you know what? If I can't figure this thing out, nobody can. At that point, I'd been studying productivity and elite performance and happiness, of course, for more than 10 years, right? I had the tools. I just had to road test them better. Yeah, it's fascinating because um, I'm sure you find this happens a lot with women in particular is that we take on so many different roles. I know I do in my life. And one of the things that drew me to you is you talk about accomplishing more by doing less, which sounds almost counterintuitive. Like I'm always feeling I need to do more. And so when I saw that, it was like you arriving at the hospital. I was like, I love this woman. Like, tell me more. Like, I love her. I need to be her best friend. How can I accomplish more by doing less. Dr. Right. Christine Carter, how do I do that? Well, there well there are a lot of ways and and the and so let's talk let's talk about the ways. I had to um I, there were a lot of things I had to sort of uh, figure out um in order to, you know, cuz I was a you know, I, I knew that we should be working smarter not harder, right? Yeah. But I was really had been so successful by working harder. Yeah. I, I'm like, I don't really know what it means to work smarter because I know what it means to work harder. And yeah. it works for me. Yes, right? me too. So until it didn't. Right, right. <laughs> okay, so here's the thing that I've, I realized. The insight that I had because I'm not that old either, right? People are like, well, as you get older, your body starts to break down. And at this point, I, I was like, um, excuse me, I'm 37. <laughs> oh, my right? goodness. I'm not, I mean, I'm older now, but th- at, this, th- at that point, I was like, I- I'm not that old. Like, this could happen to anyone, I think, who's pushing it this hard. Absolutely. Okay. So this is the insight that I had. I realized that, um, that I, even though I was getting hits all the time, I was not hitting home runs. 
And so oh, it was love watching, that. It was in watching baseball that so it, it, I became I'm not a, I'm not a big sports fan, but I became obsessed with watching baseball players get home runs, watching footage of baseball players um, get really? home runs. Yeah, wow. because the bat never moves, right? They hit within the sweet spot of their bat, and there's no there. It's all power and no resistance. And when you watch the bat, the bat doesn't move. It doesn't wobble or splinter or break. Now, uh, I, a physics professor sent me a bunch of slow motion videos of people hitting outside of their sweet spot, and the bat. And you can get a hit. Professional players do it all the time, right? Yeah. But the bat. It looks like an obstacle illusion, an optical illusion, right? The bat moves so much. Literally, the wood of the bat waves like the ocean. Or, you know, often what you can see with your naked eye is that it will often splinter or break. Okay. Uh, when you hit. And so I thought, okay, I can get hits, but I'm not hitting in my sweet spot. I have power and great personal strengths that I've developed at this point in my life. But there's too much stress. There's too much resistance. I need to figure out how to grow. So the sweet spot is the overlap between where you have your greatest power or your personal strengths and where you have ease or a lack of resistance. Mm. And so I, you know, here's the great news. We're not bats. We can, our sweet spot can actually be quite large. And it is only when we are able to find that place where ease overlaps with strength that we're able to hit our home runs. Oh, so well said. And what I love about that and a lot of what you wrote in the book is I'm a strategy-based therapist is I really believe that people need simple strategies that work. And your book is just filled with strategies. And what you're talking about a little bit here, I think alludes to even this idea of your priorities, your five priorities. And yes. Spending yeah. 95% of, the, of your time on them. That was really a wake-up call for me because I had a very hard time writing down five. I want it all, and so do many women. But that's not working for me. I'm spending my vacations, like you, exhausted. And by the time they're over, I'm not ready to come back. So writing down my five priorities was like, since I'm back, I'm happier because of yeah. you. I'm happier yeah. because of you. I'm so glad. I was yeah. Like, okay, well, let's explain to your listeners what this is, this okay. strategy. Because I do this, now I just do it once a year. It's amazing how little it, it changes from year to year for me, but it, of course, does. This is something I um, got from Peter Bregman. He um, wrote a whole book about this method where you pick your top five priorities um, in your life, your whole life, not just your work um, or not just your home life. And um, you organize your task list essentially that way. So my top priority is to nurture myself, to take care of myself, because I realized when I don't do that, I can't do anything else, right? Uh, my second priority is to nurture my home, my family, and my, and my friendships. Um, my third right now is, to, is um, working on my on, uh, business that I run. Um, my fourth is my coaching, and my fifth is my speaking engagements. So basically, those are my top five priorities in my life right now. Any task that I feel like I need to, to do goes under one of those lists. I actually organize it in Trello now. I don't know if you use Trello, but it's really fun. I like these things. Is that an app? That's an app it's on the a, phone? It's an app, and if you go to Trello.com, it's like boards, and there's oh. 
a thousand different ways you can use it. But okay. so this is how I organize my task list now. I love task lists. But <laughs> okay. So what what I found when I first did this activity was that there were tons of things that didn't fall into my top five priorities. Right? Tons and tons. An example? And, an example? Um, okay, well, let me look at my other 5% list right now. Okay. <laughs> this is going to make you laugh because almost everything falls into that right now. I had to, okay, so a big example would be that um, I, there were tons of administrative fundraising-y kinds of things that I was doing as the executive director of the Greater Good Science Center that it just didn't make a priority. So then my priorities, I think, like writing the sweet spot was one of my priorities, and um, and so I, you know, I just didn't have room for a lot of the things I was doing for the Greater Good Science Center. So I, I realized it was not one of my top priorities. It wasn't one of the things that was like bringing me energy or giving me great joy. I was only doing it for the status of being the executive director. I mean, I wasn't only doing it. I helped found the center and was very invested in it. And I still am affiliated with the Greater Good Science Center and love it and believe in it, right? There was more to it than that. But when it came to like everyday sort of task things, I just couldn't, it just wasn't where my joy was, right? I was never going to hit a home run because I didn't really want, you know what I mean? Like that, it just wasn't where I was. So I had tons of tasks related to that job that didn't fall into my top five priorities. It went in the last list, which is just your other 5%. So right now, in my other 5%, I have... Take pants to the cleaners to have them altered. <laughs> I'm literally looking at it right now. Yeah, right. I have to write a goodbye speech for somebody on a board that I. But what do the? Because I remember in the book you talk about like keeping to your priorities, uh, your your five priorities, and saying no to the rest. But those pants don't those pants eventually have to be done? Yeah. So that's why you have five percent. Okay. You have five percent of your time, which equates to about forty five minutes a day. It's a lot, right? Okay. Okay. It's um, can go to your other 5%. So yeah, I'm going to have to take my pants, you know, to the cleaners. But when I see where it falls in all of that, it doesn't like, I mean, there are other things that are like under nurture my family. Like I have to make an, a periodontist appointment for my daughter. I don't want to do that anymore than I want to have my pants altered, but it, it, it feels, it's just different. Like my, as a, you know, being a mother is a real priority for me and making sure that my kids have the health appointments that they need is it's different. It just feels different. But, you know, I could have put it in another 5% too if I wanted to. But I love the fact that even though you're talking about being a mom, I'm just back from a women's retreat that I led and we were talking as moms about this issue all the time that even as a mom, you did talk about your first priority being taking care of you because you cannot be a great mom until you fill your own pockets. And I think that's so important for women to hear because as moms, we want to be there for our kids. But if we if, if our cup runneth empty, we can't really be there because we're not happy. And our kids want to see us happy. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. I mean, so there, I have a lot to say about this. First of all, I mean, just look at me. I was sick all the time. You can't be a good mom if you want, if what you really want is to be checked into the hospital so you can sleep, right? Yeah. What kind of mother is that? Yeah. That's, that's a, t- not, a tired one. That is a very, very tired one, one that is too tired to really. And I was also, you know, you got to look at what I was modeling, for my kids. I was modeling that, you know, it's fine to like exhaust yourself to run a half marathon 
with 102 fever. I mean, what kind of message is that? That's just like, I, and I have three, you know, daughters. So, it, that, you know, anyway. The, mes- the message that you're not important, that yeah. accomplishment is important, but you're not. Right, exactly. Yeah. And take, and, and, um, and that the way to live your life is to just run yourself into the ground. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, kids, if we want most as mothers, I think all of us is to, you know, raise kids who are happy and lead meaningful, fulfilling lives. And we can't, I mean, here I was, I'd written a book about how to do that. Raising happiness. Yes. Raising happiness. And the whole first chapter is about taking care of yourself. But that was the area that I that I struggled with the most, right? And you know what is true is that the kids do what we do, right? I could teach them everything I know about gratitude and inspiration and all the positive emotions, and it doesn't matter if I can't apply those things to my own life. This is so important. We have to take a short break. Uh, we're going to come back with the amazing Dr. Christine Carter, the author of The Sweet Spot and Raising Happiness, and who's going to teach us more and more about how electronics and how many other things are interfering with our happiness. We'll be right back. Your life. Your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Join the therapist who is affectionately known as the couple whisperer, Sandra Reich, on her famous couple retreats and change your life forever. Sandra offers couple retreats in beautiful locations several times a year that can radically change your love life. Couples describe her retreats as life-changing, regain that loving feeling, bring your intimacy to a new level, and rediscover excitement and joy. Find out more at HelpForAnxietyDepression.com or call 514-796-4357. We all want love and safety. Now you can have it. Call 514-796-4357 or HelpForAnxietyDepression.com. Ladies, how about a luxurious weekend while learning to empower yourself? Join Straight Talk's Sandra Reich, January 29th at a gorgeous spa in Quebec for three days and two nights of empowerment, growth, and decadence. Delicious food, powerful learning, and much more. Life 2.0 The Retreat. Master how to command respect in your relationships. Learn about yourself and what is blocking you from living your best life. Meet other like-minded women and join in on the retreat that sells out year after year. Isn't it time you chose you? Call us at 514-796-4357. That's 514-796-4357. Don't miss your chance to change your life and relationships forever. Change your life forever with the latest cutting-edge products for home study treatment for anxiety. Featuring the clinical director of the Montreal Center for Anxiety and Depression and host of Straight Talk, Sandra Reich. Sandra is joined by top therapist Georgia Dow in this revolutionary anxiety video therapy series. Thousands of people have benefited from this scientifically proven treatment approach. Is it a time you choose yourself? Visit anxiety-videos.com right now. That's anxiety-videos.com and change your life forever. Your life, your health, your network. This is Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to Straight Talk with Sandra Reich. 
To connect with the program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to info at helpforanxietydepression.com. Now, back to Straight Talk. Here's Sandra Reich. So we're back with the amazing and very fascinating Dr. Christine Carter. And we're definitely at the end of the show going to tell you how you can reach her. But even on the break, we couldn't stop chatting. And um, she's definitely going to come back on the show. We were talking about women and sort of what I think is important, that first level, that first you got to fill your pockets, something I say to every client I've ever met, and then go to your priorities. It's almost like the famous oxygen mask on the plane that we always talk about People who know me know I always mention this. And Dr. Carter's work and her research really shows, and her own personal story, that if she's if she wasn't there for herself, she could not model to her girls the, that they have to treat themselves with that importance and respect. And I think that's such a powerful message for women out there. So along with helping people achieve happiness, I think you're also helping really the thousands and thousands of overachieving women who are taking on so much and finding themselves just empty and burnt out. Um, So thank you for that, Dr. Carter. Well, it is my pleasure, and it it really is, you know, my experience and all of this um, research that I did for this book and just my career as a sociologist, if there is anything that I know for sure, it's that there is a better way, right? That That you don't have to give up professional success or time with your children or, you know, fulfillment or meaning or happiness for success, right? That, um, that, that this notion that we always must make the most powerful effort until we are exhausted is just wrong. And that, that we all have this place of effortless power and that's where we hit our home runs. And, you know, it's so interesting because, of course, I went and checked you out on your YouTubes, you know, because a lot of people like yourself, you were telling the story, are saying the message, not necessarily walking the walk. And I saw you on the Dr. Oz show and it, you were just like, you're, you really seem happy. You seem to have really embraced what you're teaching. And I noticed in the book, you talk a lot about the process, how that happened and some of the things you discovered, one of them being that people use busyness as almost like a, a pride, like I'm so yeah. busy. I'm falling on my feet is almost like a sign that you're a worthwhile human being. Yeah, it's a mark of character. I certainly wore my busyness like a badge of honor, right? Yeah. It was like, not only did I run a half marathon, but I had 102 fever. Yeah. Like that made me honorable in some way versus crazy, right? Why, you know, why, like, why, are, why, are, why are we doing that? Like what's that all about? Well, okay, so that is, this is a holdover from the industrialization age, right? So it's very, it's a very old cultural notion, which came into being as the factory model, um, tied productivity to time and time to money, right? So before that, we did not have this concept of productivity as tied to time on the job. Okay. Um, Couldn't be equated. So that happened. And, um, and that, Formed our notion of an ideal worker um, and uh, um, our sense of what a pro- how a, you know a productive person works all the time and works very hard and is very dedicated and all those kinds of things. So that uh, that sort of powerful effort model arose and it really um, has taken hold and has not um, left us. 
Now, the, our brains did not evolve to work this way. It's actually completely not true. In the you know, we aren't machines. We can't turn ourselves on for twenty four set you know twenty four hours a day, seven days a week. It doesn't work. And even during industrialization, they recognize that more than they we recognize now. But it's been, it's become conflated with this. You know, now we have all these new technologies that are just making it really bad for us. That in the sense that. Um, the technologies themselves are fine, but they enable us to work around the clock, right? There's no leaving the office. There's no, um, you know, you could, you, you know, I have tons of clients who, when they first come to me, are using their phones as alarm clocks and they're checking their messages and their emails before they're even out of bed in the morning. They're literally working before they've even sat up in bed. I was right? embarrassed when I read that section. I was, I was, because, you know, I run a clinic, I get up, the phone goes off. And, you know, it was very interesting, your talk about multitasking and about cell phones, and how they're literally ruining our downtime. I really related to that. Because and after I read it, I was like, okay, no, before I even go to the bathroom, my cell phone, I'm already checking emails and texts, who needs me? Where do I need to be? And there is something a little bit depressing about that. Like you haven't even taken your first like breath of the day. And I thought that was very powerful. It, it is. It, so what I want people to know is that just because it seems like all the most important people have the most to do, this is nothing but a myth now yeah. that, um, that busyness is a sign of significance or success and that your brain is going to be very novelty seeking. Our, the brain's drive for novelty is as strong as it is for food, water, to find a mate. It is, it, it is an inherent um, survival, you know, the brain evolved to survive by always looking for new things because that's how you found food in the Paleolithic era, right? Okay. Um, that's, and so your phone represents and your work and all this, it, a constant stream of, of potential novelty, right? Like okay. it's like candy for your brain. And even if it causes stress or whatever, that, but that, um, that, you're, you're sort of, so you've got this cultural belief that, um, that busyness is a sign of success and significance. And so if you're checking and working before you've, you know, showered in the morning, you're going to, you're going to feel this sense of the a false sense, but still a sense of significance and importance, right? I am needed. I am here. And couple that cultural belief with the, the fact that your brain evolved to want to check your phone compulsively and to, you know, work on those, those, it's not deep work, right? It's very shallow work, but it's still, you know, that, that novelty seeking, you know, it's a deadly mixture for most human beings. It's, like right? a dr- it's almost a drug hit, you know, but it I- is not almost, it is. You actually get a nice little dopamine hit every time you check. It's like a sort of slot machine. So the way to deal with this is, so I say, you know, the technique is to hide the bowl of candy. If you were trying to to not eat so much candy, for example, you wouldn't put it at your bedside table and reach into it before you get up in the morning and then take it with you to the bathroom and then take it with you to <laughs> breakfast and then put it on your car dashboard and then take it, put it right next to you, right? You wouldn't do that. No. So it, I mean, some of it, it it's, it's very difficult, much harder than you think. There's like a whole detox that needs to go around yeah, it, yeah. but hide the dang butt bowl of candy. Get an old-fashioned alarm. 
you know, I find it amazing that you were able to do this, though. You know, I'm reading your bio. You've been on Dr. Oz. You've been on Oprah. I mean, that email could be, the, you know, Oprah calling. I mean, that's like you're a famous woman. So I guess what you're saying is that those things you're going to get to, they just don't have to be first thing in the day because you said that one of your priorities is your career. There's nothing wrong with that. But you're just you have good systems, basically. And that's what yeah. I, I understood is that you don't need to check it first thing in the morning. If Oprah's calling, she'll probably call back. You can still reach her in the afternoon. Well, yeah, and she doesn't call me at 6 a.m. It's not like – and, and all, okay, well, so here, this is not with Oprah, but with, with Dr., the Dr. Oz show, um, they, they um, called and called and called, and I was on vacation. And, um, and my assistant was picking up my messages and calling them back and saying she's on vacation. And they're like, but, but it's us, right? It's television. She, doesn't she want to be on television, right? It was – that we did have this situation, and I got back from vacation – and I called them, and we talked about the show, and I came out. It was fine. But you right? see, like, you did and, they, so- and they're like, oh, wow. Like, it was- That's, that is impressive because what you did there is what I talk about calling trusting life. You trusted life. You really did. You trusted yeah. that life will – you didn't make a fear-based response. It's a fear-based response to feel that if you don't respond to Dr. Oz, you're going to lose it. You trusted whatever will be will be, but I'm on vacation. Right. And this is my priority, right? I'm with my children. I'm having so much fun. Like television is fun too. I like it, but it's, but it's not, but it's in the other 5%, right? It's not going to trump my, you know, my highest priorities at all. But that, I mean, so this is the, um, this is, this is sort of the American fallacy or like the way we think in North America or the Western world, right? We have this sort of drive towards sex, money, power, fame, sometimes even happiness in the way that, you know, like this sort of pleasure, gratification, the, those sorts of things. And why? We forget why, you yeah. know, because, because we'll be happier. Um, am I a happier person because I've been on Dr. Oz several times? No. Was it a fun experience? Yeah, totally. It was completely fun. I love Dr. Oz. I will do it again, right? But it's not like we have this hunger. That's that novelty-seeking part of our brain that it just wants the reward system. But our lives are not video games. It's not about reward that comes from status or power or fame. So what you're saying is it's, it's pleasurable, but happiness is linked with other things. And you talk a lot about that in the book as well. And this is like even our relationships and spending time with our friends and our connections, which is very in, in, on par with what we know in psychology in terms of the attachment theory and how important it is to connect with others. And I know you also have developed some strategies like ritualizing relationships, you call it. Yeah, yeah. What does that mean? Well, the first what I want to say is that when we look at all the research that we have in psychology and sociology and even anthropology and now neuroscience, you know, what do we know? You could tell your listeners what the single strongest finding that we have about a person's happiness, uh, the best predictor of whether or not of a person's overall well-being in some studies it's health and sometimes it's longevity is the breadth and the depth of their social connections. It's the t- their ties to their friends and their family. It's their relationships. So this is why this is, you know, my top two priorities really is about nurturing those re- relationships with myself and relationship with other people. 
And um, okay, so how do we do this? I mean, these are the things that get squeezed out. So with the tactic that you just mentioned, I love ritualizing relationships. My friends all make fun of me for this, but they're, they're totally on board. I, you know, I'm in a women's group that meets once a month. I'm in a, I, I, my friends all overlap. We, I'm in a book club. We have a group that is, um, is doing this, uh, a year to live project. We have all these things where it's like our, are the times that I will see them and the things that we'll do together are really structured. I mean, it goes to like next week I'm going on vacation with a group of childhood friends. Every other year we go on vacation without our kids together. Every other year, it's always this week. It's always, it always happens. It's always the same people. We go to the same place. And, and people think, oh, that's boring. But that's the, that's the novelty-seeking part of our brain, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it, it's, I'll tell you it's anything but boring to have close friends that you don't have to work so hard to have to schedule time, right? That's where, for me, my relationships were starting to fall apart because it was like we would spend six weeks just trying to find a time when we could have lunch together. And then we would be pressed for time at the lunch and it'd be like, oh, maybe I'll see you in May. You know, like it just yeah. felt... Versus, versus just knowing, you know, my, my neurodharma group meets on Monday nights and I can't always go, but the fact that we've taken scheduling out of the, um, out of the equation is a great place of ease, right? It's the, that lack of resistance that we need. Yeah, I think it's, for me, when I read that, it was very powerful because it's so easy to feel like I'd love to see someone, but there's just no time. And it was really like some cold water on my face that, and I never believed the sentence that there's no time. It's, we choose our time. So, you know, I have to look at that, that if I, you know, and I do as the work I do, I know that your deathbed thoughts are not about, you know, if you were on the Dr. Oz show, as wonderful as it is, it's about who you loved and who loved you. So those connections are so important. But I wonder if it was hard for you to switch over to this because sometimes I know this, but somehow I guess it's the novelty part of my brain pulls me back to the work. Right. Well, you know, I had to stop seeing more is better, right? We yeah. have such a scarcity mentality about time. I mean, and also we just believe that more would be better of everything in our lives, right? We don't, but it, that is just a mindset. That's a cultural thing. It's not, you know, it, it's, it's something that's fairly new to us, right? And so I realized um, that I had this scarcity mindset about time, especially. I just really always felt like I more time would be better. And so for me, it's been a really very profound shift to, I already have enough, right? That's amazing. um, And that more time wouldn't necessarily be better because I'd probably just be working and there's definitely a diminishing returns on that. And it wouldn't be, do you know what I mean? Like it's sort of, well, we all have the the same amount of minutes in in our days and what we decide to do with it you're right will very much affect how we feel on our death our, on our deathbed right yeah. so okay so here's the so I also have now I don't think I wrote about this in the sweet spot because this is fairly recent um, this mm. is another thing that I got from um, Peter Bregman he keeps a not to do list and the <laughs> not the not to do list is you you um, you write you look at your five priorities and then you notice the things that you do in your everyday life 
that may in and of themselves be seem fairly harmless or be sort of fine things to do, things you think you should do or whatever, but they're sabotaging one of your priorities. Ah. So as you know, one of my priorities is to spend time with my kids, nurture my family or whatever. And um, so my kids are all teenagers now. And I, I have the three girls and I also have a stepson. Um, and um, so I, one of my goals is to spend 15 or 20 minutes one-on-one with each of them every day. Wow. And um, well, when they're here, you know what I mean? Like they're teenagers, right? I can't do it, but I have to try, right? If, so long as I try, <laughs> you know. Yeah, that counts. That's, the, that's it, right? I like um, that. So, um, but what I noticed was, that, and that people are like, oh my gosh, that seems like so much time. And I'm like, well, I have all of like after dinner, you yeah. know, and, and I know that they're doing homework and stuff, but like 15 or 20 minutes, they definitely kill that much time. Believe me, they'll play a fellow with me or they'll do, you know, <laughs> like yeah. they'll do something. Um, but I noticed that I was checking, they'd go do their homework and then I, we'd finished cleaning up the kitchen together and then I, I would go and, um, check my email, right? That was when I was checking my personal email and to get through that. And so I had to put that on the not to do list because if I checked my personal email, which was like a nice relaxed time to do it, then I would sabotage that time with them because I just would never get to it, right? It just would never happen. And, uh, and so I, I had to make a rule for myself. This is, not, I won't check my email after yeah. dinner. So we, we have to take a break, but you just hit upon something that I think is so important and I, I, I feel so strongly about it, is you had a skill that you were very truthful to yourself. So we'll take a break and we'll come back and talk about how you have to tell yourself the truth if you're sabotaging. We'll be right back yes. with Dr. Dr. Christine Carter. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Change your life forever with the latest cutting-edge products for home study treatment for anxiety. Featuring the clinical director of the Montreal Center for Anxiety and Depression and host of Straight Talk, Sandra Reich. Sandra is joined by top therapist Georgia Dow in this revolutionary anxiety video therapy series. Thousands of people have benefited from this scientifically proven treatment approach. Is it a time you choose yourself? Visit anxiety-videos.com right now. That's anxiety-videos.com and change your life forever. Ladies, how about a luxurious weekend while learning to empower yourself? Join Straight Talk's Sandra Reich, January 29th at a gorgeous spa in Quebec for three days and two nights of empowerment, growth, and decadence. Delicious food, powerful learning, and much more. Life 2.0 The Retreat. Master how to command respect in your relationships. Learn about yourself and what is blocking you from living your best life. Meet other like-minded women and join in on the retreat that sells out year after year. Isn't it time you chose you? Call us at 514-796-4357. That's 514-796-4357. Don't miss your chance to change your life and relationships forever. Join the therapist who is affectionately known as the Couple Whisperer, Sandra Reich, on her famous couple retreats and change your life forever. Sandra offers couple retreats in beautiful locations several times a year that can radically change your love life. 
Couples describe her retreats as life-changing. Regain that loving feeling. Bring your intimacy to a new level and rediscover excitement and joy. Find out more at HelpForAnxietyDepression.com or call 514-796-4357. We all want love and safety. Now you can have it. Call 514-796-4357 or HelpForAnxietyDepression.com. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Straight Talk with Sandra Reich. To connect with the program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to info at helpforanxietydepression.com. Now, back to Straight Talk. Here's Sandra Reich. So I'm here with, um, in my mind, my new best friend. I don't, I'm not sure she knows that. But anyways, Dr. Christine Carter, she speaks my language. And we were talking right as we had to go to the break about one of the qualities I noticed in her. And this is something that people are always, I, you know, many of my clients struggle with this, is to tell yourself the truth, meaning that we always have choice. So we were talking about this concept of when Dr. Carter would go on her email and sabotage her time with her kids. But I was saying that she has a lot of ego strength to be able to recognize that she was sabotaging herself. A lot of people would say, well, no, I had to go on the email. So step one is to thyself be true. You told yourself the truth about what you were doing. Yeah, absolutely. And to recognize that that we're always making choices. So you can feel like the social pressure to check your email is stronger um, and, and for sure it is, right? Like the, the pressure to work and to check all the time and everything, it, it's there. But anytime, the biggest clue for me is when I feel like I'm doing something because I feel like I should be doing it, right? Then I know, oh, this maybe isn't my choice. This is a choice somebody else has made for me. Yeah. And, and in the end, it's the choices we make for ourselves, right? Like not, not letting other people steer our attention and our priorities and not letting corporations do that too. You know what I mean? That there's so much out there that is paying for your attention, that is buying for your attention, that the, you know, really the first step in finding your sweet spot is to choose, to, to decide what your priorities are and choose where you're going to spend your time and then be really honest. Like you don't have to do anything. You, nobody can make you, you know, you can feel like you should do something. That's not a reason to do it. But that when we move to feeling like we're choosing, I'm choosing to spend this time with my kids. A lot of times they're like, mom, go check your email. <laughs> right? all so, so you're a woman who takes responsibility for your choices, basically. You really do. And I, I try and be very conscious of when I'm, you know, I'm deliberately choosing something and something else I'm just choosing passively, right? Like I'm not, I'm not always doing it. So just being conscious of when, what my priorities are. And then when I'm sabotaging myself, because this is something that we do all the time. So, okay. So on that note, there's a few things I want to get to. So one of the things you say is our cell phone is ruining our downtime. Um, I get that, but can you explain what that means and why is it ruining my downtime? Well, I mean, my question is, do you have downtime anymore, <laughs> right? So, right. Um, I mean, it's ruining a lot of things. I actually love my cell phone. I'm very reliant on it. I don't think the technology itself as a tool is bad in any way. It actually makes me more efficient, and it, it's, a, it's a very powerful tool, right? 
it's the compulsive checking of it that is ruining our lives. It's, it's, it keeps us from doing, from thinking deeply, from really doing deep work because it's a constant source of interruption that doesn't let, allow your brain to get into its most powerful state of deep focus, right? And it's ruining our relationships because you can't be truly present with another person. You know, there's plenty of studies that have shown that even just having a phone which is known to be completely powered off placed face down on a table changes the quality of conversation because the little seeking part of your brain is going, I should turn that on. I should check that. I wonder who might be messaging me right now. I mean, once you're a parent, oh, it's over, right? Like which of all of my kids have phones. They could be texting me at any moment. They might need me, right? It, It takes you out of where you actually are changes the quality of the connection that you have have with the person lowers your lowers your, your ability to empathize to read and and respond appropriately to other people's emotions your own it's yeah. so it's so I mean it's it's so important what you're saying uh, again uh, the clinic that I run is a depression and anxiety clinic and these things are so relevant I have clients coming in on their phone checking their Facebook religiously this is not the recipe for happiness and this is what your book and your research has really cemented and you talk about taking small steps to change things in your life. And I'm curious, what, what would you consider the smallest step that someone can take to have the biggest um, impact on their daily happiness and their stress level? Well, I think as we, I, I think for most people, it probably does have something to do with your smartphone. So I would say start small and give yourself, you know, however much time you can muster. I, you know, I go for hours at a time, but hopefully you can go for maybe 20 minutes, totally unplugged every day. And try and let yourself do nothing, right? Like literally just let yourself stare into space. And the reason I say that is because the part of your brain that you need to generate creative insights, to solve problems innovatively, to like let your, your whole system reboot comes online when you're not focused on something. So we think nothing is happening in our brain when we are not focused on a problem or checking our email. Actually, your brain is never busier than when you're just daydreaming. So try and just give yourself 20 minutes of time not on your phone. Yeah. Not, and you know what? If 20 minutes is too hard, if you're, you feel like you're going to have a panic attack, because, <laughs> because that, that is what comes, you know, busyness is a sign of importance. And, and Suppose, being supposedly. Busy. Yeah, no, supposedly. Yeah. We feel important and significant when we're busy. And when we're just staring into space, we feel insignificant and unimportant and guilty and bored and all these difficult emotions come up for us. So let them come up, surrender your resistance to them. They, they will come up. It's just detox period, right? But yeah. then work yourself up to that 20 minutes. Yeah, I remember years ago reading about taking 15 minutes of quiet time in the Joy Diet by Martha Beck. And I remember like when I'd recommend that book to people, they're like, what? You want me to sit there for 15 minutes doing nothing? And it, it is a little counterintuitive when you have a lot on your to-do list. But you're right. When I'm even getting a massage, my brain is all sorts of ideas and things are coming to oh, me. Yeah, yeah it's, it's quite amazing. Um, I also feel like I, want, I don't want the time to run out before we give one of your strategies that I, I thought was so again, almost a ritualizing strategy that if you want to change something in your life, you take a behavior that you're currently doing and you Mm -hmm. say, once I do this, I will do that. So for myself, once I come down and, you know, have my breakfast, I will 
put on my exercise clothes and do my exercise. So then I know where I'm going. Now, you're a big believer in this, right? Like- I'm a huge believer in automating anything that makes you stronger or brings ease into your life, right? So, um, so using the power of habit, right? Our brain, our unconscious brain can do stuff for us that takes no energy. I mean, there's nothing easier than that. And so using the habits we already have, if you're already in the habit of doing, you know, you have a very consistent morning routine, for example, if you always come and make, brew your tea, then you can insert something into that habit so long as you do it in the same order every day, right? So let making your tea trigger you in, um, in taking your vitamins, Right, whatever it is that that you want to do, and that so long as you have a consistent trigger, and then you do the behaviors in the same order, and then there's an inherent reward, not like a reward next week or later today, but there's an inherent reward. So you have feel a sense of accomplishment, or there's something joyful about it, or whatever. Then then it can become a habit, and you won't ever have to say, oh, "Darn, I should have taken my vitamins." And I think that to further take your habits, I noticed in your book, you talk a lot about lowering the standard, which is, you know, the perfectionism uh, hamster wheel, that instead of saying I have to go on the treadmill for an hour, if I can do 10 minutes, that that counts. That was, oh, yeah, for sure. I like that. Really small. So starting with, if you're trying to get into a completely new habit, what you want to do is is um, make it something that you aren't going to resist at all because then you're just, it's not going to be rewarding enough for your brain. Your brain isn't going to want to do it. You, you, you want to like think of it, it like dog training, right? Like positive reinforcement, whatever is joyful. So, um, so a lot of times we can break behaviors that we're interested in down into things that we won't resist, right? Like when I was um, training myself to meditate in the morning, I, you know, I, I wouldn't resist just like laying in bed listening to a meditation, right? There's no resistance there. That is actually an excuse to stay in bed longer. Fantastic, right? (laughs) Going to um, or just sitting on my meditation cushion for 30 seconds. Nothing to resist there. I can't, you know, and sometimes I would stay for longer, right? Or sometimes I would get out of bed or, or whatever it is. But just what you're doing is you're trying to insert it into the routine. So first I wake up, then I meditate, right? So once that's automated... Then, and it takes longer than 21 days, people. It, that is a myth that, that something will be automated in 21 days. It won't. But two days in, you're already starting the neural wiring in your brain that you need, right? So you repeat a be- behavior twice. And if it has the same trigger and the same reward, you, you're, you're on your way to something. But as soon as it is automated, then you can start making, you know, um, the 30 minute or the 30 second meditation can become one minute, then two minutes, then five minutes, you know, a year and a half later, I'm at 20 minutes and that's where I'll stay. Wow. So you brought yourself from nothing to 20 minutes, nothing to like, you know, 10 minutes in bed. And, you know, I danced around it. It's, it's, it, it has taken me a long time to get to something. And now I don't even, like, I, ha- I have stuck to the no resistance thing. So I sometimes journal. It's really just quiet time. Or maybe I just do nothing, right? I just lay there and think my thoughts. 
You have, you definitely seem to have a lot of strategies in your life to make it work. I remember reading that you even have an outfit that you find is the right outfit to go on shows. I love that. I was like, I have to watch that Dr. Oz clip again and see what the outfit is. I need to know this. This is amazing. No, my speaking engagements, you can't wear the same thing on television. Oh, okay. You're speaking, you have a speaking engagement outfit. Yes. I I love that. And I do, I have a new one. Well, it's like two years old, but. Yeah, my husband calls it the laundry reduction program. Yeah. You should see how few clothes I have because there is something that it takes a lot of effort to always yes. make decisions. So make a decision once and then don't make it again, right? Yeah. I don't, I'm not one of those people who gets particular joy out of like getting dressed in the morning. I seriously wear the same thing every single day. People well, make fun of me, it's, but, but it works for me. It really works for you. And I think that you've mastered keeping it simple. And I, I guess, you know, we're just about to run out of time. And I certainly want people to know where they can find you. But I guess one last question I would ask you is, you know, if somebody is feeling really, really stressed and overwhelmed, and they're listening to us right now, and they're saying, yeah, that sounds good, but I'm so stressed and overwhelmed. What would you say to them? What are your top tips on that? Or your top tip? Stop. Okay, so I something that's going up on my website next week is a little it's a little phone screen thing that it says if you feel overwhelmed, stop checking your phone. Right. <laughs> so step so one: give yourself use your phone as a tool for strength and for power. But it's not like think of it like a hammer. Would you have a hammer out and like be hammering everything? No, your whole life would be dented. That, that, you know, you only need it when there's a nail. So use your phone strategically. You check your email strategically, not compulsively. You know, I check my email once a day. I know it's very frustrating probably to you. You probably are so annoyed that I'm so hard to get a hold of. But no. at the same time, it's, it's, if you feel overwhelmed, you need to reduce the amount of data coming in, right? Because, it, because it, that, ironically, those feelings of overwhelm, make it harder for you to plan your time, harder for you to organize your thought. It's actually going to make you less productive at just at the time when you need to be more productive. So reduce the amount of decisions you're making, reduce the amount of um, data that you've got input that's coming in. And that often means unplugging more. You will be more productive, I promise. Yeah, it's it's clear. And, and, you know, I remember when I was trying to contact you, I never felt that way because you have it down to a fine science. You say I'm on vacation, but email me back on this day and you'll get an answer. And so I think that's respectful and uh, respectful to you, respectful to the person writing to you. I think it's absolutely inspirational. Dr. Christine Carter, where do people find you? Your two books are out there, The Sweet Spot and Raising Happiness. If people want to know more about you, how can they find you? Well, I would say go to my website, which is christinecarter.com, and I I have a free coaching program right now that um, if you're interested in getting into a habit, that is the the way to get involved. So I'll just walk you through a series of emails, and there's like an extremely vibrant Facebook group right now going if you have questions about any of this. um, That's the way to do it, to sign up for the 90-day coaching program. It's totally free, just a way for people to be engaged or you can sign up for my emails or just uh, watch my blog how amazing and i know that you have something coming up in may a course we'll have you back on straight talk and to tell all our people about that course and how they can get involved with that sound good sounds great dr sounds dr carter it's been um an incredible pleasure to have this conversation with you and i'm sure you've inspired many people today thank you so much for coming on straight talk with sandra Reesh. 
Oh, well, thank you for having me. It's been really fun. Everybody, keep your eyes on the stars. And as Dr. Christine Carter says, turn the cell phone off sometimes. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Straight Talk with Sandra Reich. We hope you've enjoyed today's show and will tune in again next Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Now, go live your best life. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.